Good afternoon, and welcome to the Seifer Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Blaze Seifer. Today, we welcome Matt Kleiman to the podcast, a Johns Hopkins cross-country and track and field athlete and an aspiring astrophysicist. Matt ran for four years at Concord Carlisle High School in Massachusetts, where he captained his team to a cross-country state title his senior year. Matt is also a top-level student, earning admission into one of the most prestigious universities in the world. Now, hear the scoop from Matt as he gives us a window into how he first earned his motivation to run, how he balances rigorous academics with athletics, and how he finds joy in running. All right, welcome in everybody. I'm in the studio on this lovely summer afternoon with the West Concord running legend, Matt Kleiman, a captain for the Concord Carlisle High School cross country and track and field teams who now competes collegiately for the prestigious Johns Hopkins University. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show, boys. Of course. Um, I'm just going to start by kind of explaining the podcast, the goal of the podcast a little bit, and then we'll get right into it with how did you first start um, running? But before we go, um, you are the third athlete to appear on the See for Scoop podcast, a show aimed at humanizing athletes through exposing their journey with athletics. Today, we will run through your progression with running, starting with your first ever race and ending with where your training has you this summer. Because not everyone just magically runs a 350-1500 meter. Um, for those who want that in layman's terms, that's a converted 408 mile roughly. Um, so yeah, you, you ready to get started? Absolutely, I'm excited. Okay, so let's start here. How did you first get into running? Well, so my aunt and uncle are two uh, ultramarathoners, and I think that they actually uh, kind of were some of the most influential figures in my start to running. They, I would always hear when I was younger about, you know, these 100-mile races that my aunt and uncle, you know, did last weekend or whatever, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that is insane. <laughs> and their children, uh, my cousins, uh, over the summer, when I would come out to Long Island, I'd get to see them, and a lot of times they'd, like, take me on runs and stuff. And so that's kind of, I would say, the very start of my experience with running and from there it kind of just progressed uh, really I only started seriously running in middle school when I went to Fenn I joined the cross-country team which okay. was kind of uh, a shot in the dark I'd never really done competitive running or thought about it seriously more than you know the thorough 5k road race <laughs> great race yeah um, and so that's kind of where I started and from there kind of just gained traction and snowballed into kind of one of the biggest aspects of my life nowadays. Yeah, so your aunt and uncle you said are ultra marathoners. Where are they based? So they are based out of California okay. um, in San Francisco. Very so, cool. Yeah. Um, so you, you started running with them and then you took that leap of faith in middle school. So you went to Fenn, which is a private school in Concord, Mass. Um, a notable alum, alumnus is Steve Carell, I believe, correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. So when you started in middle school, were you good at it right away, or how did that go? Um, no, actually. Well, <laughs> when I started in middle school, I remember the first day of practice, um, I kind of 
didn't really understand, I guess, the premise of really going for a run. And so the first day, our uh, coach just kind of sent us out into the woods. He's like, all right, it's the first day of practice. Guys, just do one lap of these woods. It's like a two-mile lap. Um, or maybe he was, he was do one or two, mile, or two laps. And so me and I've, I forget who it was, but me and one of my friends um, at the time basically just granny jogged this, you know, two-mile <laughs> loop. And uh, when we came through, a bunch of the people that were, had already finished were like, come on, guys, like we're waiting for you guys to, you know, to finish in order to be able to, you know, get out of here. And so I was like, okay, fine. Like, if you want me to finish this, like, I'm going to finish it fast. And I sprinted that second <laughs> lap. Um, and then uh, I think from that point on, I started taking it a little bit seriously. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, it kind of, there was a pretty quick uh, flip from kind of goofing off during, like, the start of practice to then taking it a little bit more seriously and actually going out and putting some effort in. Yeah. Um, I think part of it might have also been uh, one of my friends, Tad Shibe, who was probably one of the fastest runners on the team at that point. Uh, he kind of motivated me a little bit um, and got me to come along on runs with him. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I started running with Tad and we kind of became running buddies. Um, I'd say he's kind of my first uh, running partner that I ever had. And then we just ended up kind of racing together and doing a lot of uh, a lot of our running, whether that was training or racing, kind of together. So. so if I told the Matt who's doing that granny jog in the woods that he would be running collegiately one day, would you have told, told me I was crazy? Yeah, I think I would have laughed at you. Like <laughs> I did not really see running anywhere in my future. I mean, at that point, I uh, I was really more serious about soccer. Okay. Um, I was on uh, the travel soccer team at the same time as my cross-country practices, so I'd go straight from cross-country practice and change in the car to a soccer game. And that was just kind of a crazy process. So it just kind of meant that I was not prioritizing cross-country at all. And, yeah. you know, during winter, I did competitive skiing. And during the spring, I did tennis. So, you know, track wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. So I think something you just touched on is is that you d- you're doing soccer and running. And I actually think that's a really big, like, a lot of people do those two sports, at least yeah. from a young age. And then people maybe choose the one they're better at. But that's interesting. You did soccer too. Um, so when you're in middle school, are you racing once a week? Like, how does how does the racing schedule work? Yeah, so we kind of had a crazy system. It, I mean, there was not very much of a distinction between races and workouts. Okay. We had two races a week. Um, like against other schools? Yeah. Okay. So, like, it's actually kind of pretty a much like t- twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays, I think, we'd have what we call a race where it was against, you know, one of the other kind of schools that we compete against. And yeah, we'd either go there or they'd come to us. And, you know, I suppose ultimately it was more of a workout when I kind of put it in perspective, but 
uh, yeah, so there wasn't really anything more serious than a dual meet with, you know, two or three schools competing. Yeah. Did you have any notable or like PRs that you remember from your middle school days or? No, I mean. I mean, so did you race school. cross country and was it just cross country or did you do like, like, did you ever run the mile in middle school or it was just. No, I the 5K only or... ran cross country. Okay. Um, and it actually wasn't a 5K. In middle school, they had like completely arbitrary distances. I mean, really? When, uh, when I was racing, I think it was like a two point three mile <laughs> course or something like that, and but no one was really sure exactly how long it was. It was okay. you know a loop in the woods and a lap around the field. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. The, the race. Interesting. So you make it through middle school at Fenn, and then now you enter Concord Carlisle High School. And were you ready to kind of take a, a step up, or were you kind of just in the same same mindset? Like you'd be crazy if you told me I'd run in college. Like it was still just a social thing that you just you you liked. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I still did not really anticipate running kind of being anything more than I'd say a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first came in, I was still planning on doing the other sports during winter and spring. I mean, actually, it's a bit of a funny story. When I was in fourth grade, I did Hershey's Track League, uh, but I did it as a sprinter, and <laughs> I hated it. I was thrown into like races with like a bunch of kids that I didn't know, and there was like no sense of like community really. Um, and so it was just kind of once every once in a while, I just kind of get thrown into, you know, a hundred meter relay. That's where you get your kick from though. I, I guess so. I <laughs> um, but so I, I hated that. I was like, okay, that's it. I don't like track. Really? Yeah, I'm done with track. And so that's why I didn't run any track events in middle school. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I hate track. Yeah. Uh, so coming into high school, I was like, I'm going to run cross country and then, you know, do these other sports in the winter and spring. But when I kind of came in and was welcomed in by the team, I was like, wow, like this is kind of awesome. I'm really a fan of both the community and the actual racing aspect of it because uh, within the first, I don't know, couple weeks or so uh, I started to get a lot more involved in the workouts and kind of the work ethic that's involved in competitive running uh, I met Chris who yeah. was uh, who quickly became kind of my running buddy along he, with he described Nichol. it as kind of a frenemy sort of thing because it seemed like you got the varsity races with Aiden Nickel maybe and Chris was always just kind of on that bubble and he would he, he was telling me last podcast he was like, he, you guys were running fires and everything, but he'd, he'd try to beat you every race because he wanted that varsity spot. Yeah, over well, so it was, it was a really interesting dynamic because freshman year, it was me, Chris, and Aiden, and we were all neck-to-neck in every race. And the thing is, is that there weren't enough spots in the varsity races for all of us. Uh-huh. So it meant that for every race, one of us had to get cut out. Um, and I think Aiden and I had some good races early on in the season, which ended up, uh, meaning that Chris got kind of cut out of a lot of the varsity races for like early and mid season, which was a huge bummer because it yeah. not only meant that Chris didn't get to, um, you know, run with 
like the the group that he's used to training with like Aiden and I got to race together but it also meant that Chris kind of got stranded on his own which made it even harder for him to have kind of good races when he was racing on his own like the JV race but uh I mean good for him that by the end of the season I think he ended up yeah he he got the 10th spot as the alternate he got the 10th spot as the alternate uh because he definitely managed to put together a couple really great races towards the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, um, you know, some tension between all of us because we were dynamic, all, like, yeah. f- like, good friends. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all knew, like, one of us wasn't going to get to be in the RC varsity race so that did that spark did that did that dynamic kind of spark a little bit of competitiveness like within you is that kind of one of the first things that kind of made you competitive yeah i mean i've always been a naturally just a really competitive person and Uh so when um you know through fen i kind of um realized like oh like you know i'm decent at this running thing you know i should definitely give it a shot in high school but when even before the first day of cross country, I kind of heard the stuff about, oh, you know, Chris Ratcliffe coming from, you know, Carlisle, like he's, he's really fast. Like he's going to give you a run for your money kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> looking forward to meeting this Chris Ratcliffe. And, uh, in the mile time trial, uh, at the beginning of cross country, he showed me up in the mile. I don't remember what our times were. They were like five thirty something. Okay. But he beat me by like a couple seconds in that. I was like, okay, <laughs> this kid's legit. Did you train the summer before your freshman year? Um, yeah, it was pretty limited training. Okay. I think I ran sixty miles that summer. <laughs> in total. Yeah. And now, I mean, your high. What's your highest highest mileage week this summer? Do you know? Um. This. Is it close to 60? Well, by the end of the summer, I'm hoping to get up between 60 to 70 miles per week. Okay. Um, I like that disparity so, right there. Yeah. So, so, so you go from 60, 60 miles in a summer to 60 miles in a week. Interesting. Yeah. I um, <laughs> so I, I talked with Chris about this briefly, but when you were a freshman, you had the likes of Eli Decker and Spencer Meyer. Thomas Ratcliffe was doing soccer. But there were some kind of big dogs. And did you, do you remember, like, really looking up to them and, and being really inspired by what they were doing? And I'm sure by then Eli was committed to Colby for, for cross country. And did you really look up to that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they – you can talk to pretty much anyone on the team because they were, like, our idols. I mean, we absolutely loved them. I mean, they were incredible people as well as incredible athletes. Yeah. You know, their leadership was so – um, evident in the way that they carried themselves and led the team, but then also, yeah, they were so um, talented and hardworking that for me, being a uh, you know young freshman coming into the team, not really ever having you know taken running all too seriously, uh, seeing them work hard and see how fast they can really be was like mind blown as like I didn't know like people were actually like this fast I remember at Amherst which was my first actual race of uh of high school I think I ran 1853 or something like that okay um and I was like wow like okay like I'm happy with that and then Eli comes in and runs 1655 I think and 
you know, I think he wasn't that happy with it at the time, but I was like, oh my gosh, like he's so fast yeah. that I know I'm never going to be able to be that fast. You, you really never thought you'd get to that no, point? No, I was like, I'm never going to get that fast, but I want to be, you know, fast like him one day yeah. kind of thing. So you yeah. kind of envied his times. Did you ever envy the fact that he was going to run in college as a freshman? Like, was that something you ever looked up at and was like, ooh, maybe I, I want to do that? Yeah, I think running in college was not really on my radar. Um, okay. Probably not really until sophomore, junior year when I started looking at colleges more. Um, I definitely just looked up to him as a high school runner uh, more and, you know, by indoor and outdoor track of Eli's senior year. He got, you know, second at all states, I think, in the 1,000 and stuff like that, you know, running 940-something in the two-mile okay. um, and all that stuff. I was like, wow, like, that's incredible. Like, he's so fast. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge inspiration for me for, you know, my first couple of years of high school. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did indoor and outdoor track go that year? Did um, did you continue to improve, or did you did you love those two seasons as well? Yeah, so they were a pretty big um, transition for me because I had never run you know distance events before, um, like track wise. Yeah. But they were also a lot shorter than cross country, so it took a couple races before I kind of got a feel for the thousand. You know, McCabe threw me in the JV thousand along with all the other freshmen. That's when I kind of stumbled across Alex Arenthal yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the, our kind of JV thousand rivalry. Because I think Chris was running the mile more that season. He got okay. into a couple of varsity miles. But Alex and I were kind of duking it out in the JV thousands, which was a good time. But uh, it, w- it was really weird for me because it was different from anything I'd done before and yeah I mean I definitely got better over time like each race I was learning a lot and it was fun uh it was fun kind of having an improvement curve like that Mm -hmm. you know every race you know dropping a couple seconds I remember I was pretty disappointed indoors because I did not end up qualifying for uh, DCLs or states. I remember at the last chance meet, which was right after DCLs, I hit the DCL qualifying time, but missed the states qualifying time. <sighs> I think Alex hit the states qualifying okay. time. But yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't get either of those, but it was still a kind of good learning experience for me in the thousand. Sure. Do you remember, what was your most notable PR between indoor and outdoor of your freshman year? Do you have that on top of your head? Or? Yeah, it was definitely Breaking Five. Um, breaking Five? Yeah. So Chris told me a, an awesome story about, <laughs> like, Thomas Pace came to a sub five, and then I think he I think he got down to, like, 455. Were you right around that territory as well? Yeah, outdoor. Uh, indoor, I think I maybe had one mile race or two mile races. I don't remember. I know I was kind of close to the five-minute mark. And so coming into outdoor, I was like, all right, outdoor season, I'm going to break five. I have to. <laughs> And so all of outdoor, I was kind of chasing that. I, I actually didn't get to race very many times because I went away for like spring vacation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up missing a lot of meets, but I think I had two pretty memorable races. 
the first one was when I ran 503. That was my first mile of outdoor. I got super excited off the bat, and I took out the race really hard. I was leading ahead of, like, Tim and Taylor <laughs> Wards with, like, you know, 600 meters in, and then ended up suffering for that. Absolutely end, died. And running, you know, like, f- five minutes or five or something. Um, and I was like, shoot, like, I was so close. Next time I'm going to do it. And the next time that I raced the mile, it was pretty horrible conditions. It was, like, raining. Actually, I think uh, 30 minutes or an hour after the mile race finished, uh, the race was canceled and everyone was sent home. Really? So it was pretty pretty bad conditions, but we had a huge group in the mile. It's like, I don't know, a, a bunch of the people in my running group back then mm-hmm. and ended up running 456, I believe. And so well, that okay. was huge for me because I was so excited to have finally kind of yeah. – broken five and it showed me that like you know when i put my mind to something and you know have this solid goal that i want to achieve like i can do it if i work hard yeah so did you use that that sort of mindset to carry you through i mean because you you improved every year is that kind of what you attributed to your early success is just this very competitive let's get after it let's get some pr like mindset um yeah i suppose so i think that kind of feeling I held on to a lot uh, my sophomore year because sophomore year during cross country um, I had a decent decent season that's kind of when NXR came on our radar so we got Mm -hmm. to go to that which was pretty fun as the furthest I'd ever traveled for a race yeah but then indoors I got injured for the better part of the start of the season and I only ended up getting a couple races in I think I raced the two mile and the mile um and I mean obviously lowered my PRs from freshman year but it wasn't anything too spectacular but then at the end of winter track I uh, got injured again and was out for the entirety of spring track. I didn't really? race a single time. Yeah. Were you, did you stay with the team during spring track or what'd you do? Yeah. So, I mean, there was, I think it was, must've been, I don't know how many months, but a long time of pool running and <laughs> Alex described those as some of the most depressing days can be incredibly draining and just mentally taxing, lonely, so every day I would come to the team meeting, kind of hear the announcements and whatnot, and then when everyone goes out on the runs, I would kind of have my walk of shame to the pool <laughs> with my bathing suit and towel and, you know, spend an hour, hour and a half in the pool just, you know, aqua jogging by myself. And it was definitely tough uh, because... By that point, running had completely saturated my life and it kind of become one of the biggest parts of like my identity and who I was. And so, you know, not having that core piece of, you know, my life was really tough and it definitely kind of seeped into all other aspects of my life. Like I was just not as happy sophomore year because I couldn't run, I couldn't be, you know, on those long runs with Tim, Xander, Chris, Alex, Chaffin, um, and like, you know, the running group that I'd become so close with. And so kind of having that whole part of me stripped away was 
pretty tough, but I kept on kind of thinking like, okay, this is, you know, when I was in the pool, I just had to keep on reminding myself like this is for like all this work is going to go towards, you know, getting better when I come back and, you know, being able to get, get that feeling of satisfaction of crossing that line, getting those PRs lowered and all of that. So that kind of definitely kept me going even through, you know, these horrible pool running sessions for hours and hours. Yeah. When did you, when did you finally recover from that injury? Like, was it leading like in the summer before junior year? Yeah, it was in the summer before junior year. I think my junior year training started at, at the beginning of July. Okay. Um, you know, while I was in the pool, I had a whole, uh, couple month process of gait retraining. I had, you know, my gait analysis done and was doing tons of PT to correct muscular imbalances and, you know, loosening muscles and a bunch of stuff like that. So I kind of had to ease into running again, um, heading into my junior year mm-hmm. just because it had been a while and I've been doing so much work to kind of correct a lot of these things that had caused me to get injured before. So, yeah, I'm just going to go back to the injury quick. Do you think there was any sort of silver lining from it? Like it kind of just solidified your affinity for track or or did it really solidify your your future aspirations to just keep getting better? Or was there any sort of silver lining you could take away from that? I mean, especially for athletes listening to this who, who maybe do suffer from an injury like that. Like what what can you take away from that and how can it actually help you? Yeah. Uh. I mean, I'd say that there is a huge silver lining for me in that it's kind of inspired a certain degree of fear in getting injured again. Like, I will do anything that I can to avoid being, you know, sidelined like that for that kind of period of time. So that moving forward having kind of that experience now just instills so much more caution and patience in my training. I take kind of injury prevention and recovery, so stretching, core, uh, strengthening, stabilizing muscles, all of that kind of stuff. I take that so much more seriously because I know that that kind of stuff is what's going to prevent me from getting injured again. So now whenever i'm feeling kind of anxious to build up miles faster or get in some extra whatever i just think about it and be like okay you know i have a long running career ahead of me is this you know these extra couple miles i'm going to hit this week you know what's kind of the risk that that's going to come back to bite me in the butt and is that kind of worth the risk of injuring myself and kind of just all of that kind of assessment helps me be much more patient in my training. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So as we transition into junior year, this is kind of when the self-proclaimed super six group, I mean, that's kind of when it started to actually kind of become a thing and everything. So that was um, Tim, Tim McClure, Zenner Kessler, yourself, Alex Ernthal, Chris Ratcliffe, and Will Chaffin. Alex didn't race or didn't do cross country his junior year. So you were out without him then, but just kind of ignoring that, just that whole, whole junior year when Tim and Xander were still there, 
how big of a role did the, like I said, the quote unquote super six play and just your passion for running and getting you out of bed and up for runs every day. Um, how vital do you think that was to your um, now uh, bountiful success? Oh my gosh. I can't even start. Like you have no idea. Back roof is so close knit. Like we were, you know, best friends and they totally inspired me and pushed me to like work harder every single day that I was running, which I absolutely needed and would not be the runner I am today without that group. Uh, I mean, the way that I kind of end up seeing it is it's literally uh, rather than, you know, thinking of it as thinking of it as going for runs every day. It's just me kind of getting together with a group of my best friends and hanging out for two and a half hours after school every day. Mm -hmm. And how can you not get close when, you know, you're spending so much time together, whether, you know, through suffering, through workouts, you know, Mr. Lane is known for giving us some pretty brutal workouts (laughs) and, uh, you know, long run conversations, all of the kind of, uh, shenanigans that we kind of got into. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, so that how <laughs> you had some over. big personalities on that team. Take Tim McClure, for instance, who's always kind of bringing controversy into dialogue and, and, <laughs> and what have you. How do you balance kind of this goofy, we're best friends sort of side of things while also training, grinding, staying focused, and getting better? Because you somehow managed to do both so well. Yeah, I mean, I think – that kind of group uh, is the epitome of kind of work hard, play hard. We were, you know, a bunch of guys who loved to goof off, but at the same time, we all knew that we had, I suppose, a unified goal that we're all working towards and knew when it was time to be serious and get to work and when it was time to kind of relax a little bit, blow off some steam, have a good time and hang out. So I think we ended up, uh, you know, finding the right balance between those two. Uh, I think a big part of it, though, is also kind of cross-country because, I mean, we had pretty big aspirations for cross-country ever since I was a sophomore, really. And we were starting to think about state championships and, you know, Nike Cross Regionals and Nationals and all that stuff. So having that kind of in the back of our mind, knowing that we're a part of this team and a part of this group effort to make something out of ourselves always kind of motivates us to work hard, whether, um, you know, whether we're feeling up to it or not, because then when you're kind of part of this team effort, it's not just about you trying to get faster. It's also about trying to get faster for your teammates and trying to, be able to be the best that you can when it comes race time for cross country and you know trying to win a state championship yeah so i just want to revisit one point you said and it's about striking the balance between goofing off and being really serious when would you say was an appropriate time to goof off is it on easy runs is it on the bus home from meet like when when can people find that time to kind of mentally relax and just have fun with their friends yeah i mean i think that's Uh, a good question and it kind of varies for everyone but you know on I suppose it manifests in itself in like varying degrees throughout all aspects of our life you know whether it's conversations on long runs um, or you know 
yeah, I'd say just conversation on runs. Those can be, you know, goofy or whatever. But then also, um, you know, when it comes time to work out and get serious and put some real work in, you know, you don't see people screwing around and wasting everyone's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, knowing how to, how and when to celebrate, you know, after a good race or a good meet, you know, coming home from the bus, uh, hanging out at your friend's house afterward, like all getting together to kind of enjoy victory together is kind of important because it builds and like strengthens the bonds that you guys all have uh, when you can both kind of celebrate together as well as kind of suffer through a loss together. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys all individually were very successful. Unfortunately, you weren't able to um, achieve which maybe you'd hoped for um, junior year cross country, but you eventually got there. Uh, let's talk more about junior year in the, in the college lens. So is this around the time you started to look at colleges for, for cross country and track and, and kind of take me through that? Yeah, um, I think it was around junior year. Um, I started looking at um, schools for running. Uh, by that point, I knew that I was pretty serious about running and wanted to run in college. Uh, I was definitely thinking, uh, you know, balance between academics and running. Uh, so I was. At that point, I think I was looking at a mix of D3 and D1 schools, probably trending towards D3, just um, because at that point, my PRs were not particularly, didn't really stand out, Mm -hmm. um, especially on like a a D1 scale. So I was thinking D3 was probably going to be the best fit for me. Okay. And did you have a front runner right away? Like... Uh, you're at Johns Hopkins. Was that school uh, kind of in the front of, of that race? Yeah, I think as soon as I kind of uh, – Hopkins was a place that my parents had mentioned kind of towards the start of my search, uh, and that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. But then when I actually, like, went and toured there, it definitely kind of jumped out as a front runner and somewhere that I wanted to be. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, the more that I kind of learned about it, the more I liked it. You know, they had a great combination of good academics as well as a great program. You know, the, the women had been consistently winning, like, the national championships. So that kind of told me what I had to, that, you know, Bobby Van Allen is an exceptional coach. And then the men's team I saw was definitely on the come up. Like, they had been placing higher and higher at nationals every year and I was thinking to myself like it would be pretty cool to be a part of uh, the first you know men's national title uh, in the school's history and so I'm still hoping to be a part of that and hopefully I can contribute to that yeah I think the the stride report on Instagram just posted something with a a picture of Johns Hopkins like could can Johns Hopkins finally accomplish it so that's sort that's almost coming to fruition right there uh, j- let's talk about the recruiting process, if it's okay with you, just for a minute for those who might be looking at colleges. How did that go down? Did you send them the first email like, hey, listen, I'm interested here, my times, and then is it just this back and forth, or kind of how does the recruiting process progress? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination, at least for uh, all the D3 schools that I was looking at, I, I was the one that reached out to them first. I 
emailed the coaches or the head coach and was like, listen, you know, I'm a junior, senior at Conquerola High School. Uh, I'm running. Here are kind of my times. Here's my academics. And I'm really interested in your program and running for you guys in the future. Um, you know, I'd love to set up, you know, a time to talk or meet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of reached out to them trying to set up some kind of uh, communication down the line. Uh, and then there's also uh, some schools that I got letters from. Uh, I think some schools, I think mostly D1 schools reach out if they're interested in you, mm-hmm. at which point, you know, you can, you know, respond to those. But I'd say never... Uh, never hesitate to like be the first one to reach out because i mean i think that they or a lot of the recruiters have a lot going on and so they're not always gonna find the time to necessarily reach out to you first uh so i think reaching out to them is definitely the way to go okay so junior year we we just tap like kind of touched on the super six and recruiting let's go into senior year and now you're a three season captain and kind of take me through um, how it was to be in that leadership position because 20 or so minutes ago, we we're talking about how you're looking up to the Eli's. And as a captain now, were you still looking up to Eli? Like, I'm going to try to replicate what he did and, and not just Eli, but that group did. Um, and how did you like being, you know, an, uh, an upperclassman versus an underclassman uh, as it pertains to, to running? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely kind of weird seeing myself in – uh, the same position that I had seen some of my inspirations years ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still looked up to the previous captains, uh, some that like stood out. You know, Owen Schmidt was also an incredible captain. Eli, a bunch of them who over the time that they were captain did an incredible job and I kind of still looked up to them and wanted to emulate their captainship more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, So even as captain, I was still looking up to them and trying to, uh, I guess, use their example as a model for how I wanted to be. Yeah. And did you have uh, a unique philosophy on being captain, would you say, or was it kind of cookie cutter? And then also um, what was, I mean, what was like a highlight of being a captain? Was there one thing that really stuck out, like, wow, like, one moment, or were you like, wow, I really like being a captain? Yeah, I mean, so I'd say being a captain is um, a lot more responsibility than I had, like, initially thought it would be. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, you know, behind the scenes and, you know, stuff like communication throughout the team that then you need to start dealing with and thinking about that I hadn't really thought about before Mm -hmm. just being on the team. So that was a bit of a surprise, but, um, I'd say one of the, you know, greatest parts about being captain is kind of seeing the team do well. Um, you know, that was a huge part of, uh, you know, being a captain is, you know, when the team i think i remember amherst senior year in cross country like all the teams had like incredible races and so that was super exciting to kind of um see kind of a team that you're leading um do so well and knowing that i guess you played some part in that 
yeah. so that was nice. Awesome. So you're a captain uh, first in, in your cross-country season, and that season was pretty memorable. Let's skip <laughs> – what? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's skip right to – or I know it wasn't your final race, but let's go to that All-State meet where you and Wellesley – one, uh, one and two, you were going at it. Take me through your own rendition of, of how that race went down. Oh, my gosh. So that was, I think, the one of the craziest races of my life. I mean, there was just so much snow on the ground, and it was totally different from anything I had ever raced in before. I mean, we had half-inch spikes in, which I didn't Jeez. think those were ever even used. I thought it was basically did, a joke. Did the coaches get them for you, or did you buy those? Yeah, no, the coaches okay. got them for us, um, and it honestly made me appreciate our coaches a lot more because, you know, leading up to that race, they did so much stuff for us to make sure that we were in kind of the best, like, headspaces and, like, physically like ready to race those mm -hmm. conditions they they did so much to make sure that we were ready to go yeah so you know huge hats off to them for helping us through all of that because there was a lot of stuff going on yeah. that none of us was none of us were really ready for so shout out mccabe and lane yeah. if they're listening huge shout out <laughs> to lane. um but yeah that race went off as soon as he started running, everyone was just slipping all over the place. I mean, when you go into the into the woods, there was like a big downhill, and people were sliding like down that hill. I think Chris fell and slipped. Yeah, like, he uh, told us a little story about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of every man for himself, totally unpredictable. You know, you see people falling down left and right and just hoping that they don't take you out with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was pretty pretty crazy i mean then we had to come back up that hill and it's like running through sand because it was complete slush by that point and i don't know running up a steep hill through sand is not an easy task so that just absolutely like wiped everyone out yeah. but it was it was a very tiring race and mentally exhausting too because you know there was so much on the line and you know it was really everything that we worked for so um yeah that's that's i guess m most of what i have to say about the actual race i mean crossing crossing that finish line uh it kind of came down to a sprint between ben burgess and i which ended up for I the think, for the win um well f no f uh that was for sixth place okay okay um, but I ended up barely out um, out leaning him. I think I beat him by point oh three seconds or something <laughs> like that. But that was a pretty intense ending. And then when I crossed the finish line, uh, I went over and met Alex, and we were just kind of both exhausted, just waiting for everyone else to cross and for them to tally up the votes. But I was so out of it. I was kind of lying on the ground, just listening to what's going on around me. I hear Mike Mahone's booming voice, you know, shouting different scores about the Metro West region that were not particularly significant <laughs> at that point. But I don't know. I it was it was so close between us and Wellesley that even after everyone had finished, no one really knew. Mm -hmm. You know, there were different kind of conflicting reports. Oh, you beat Wellesley by seven points. Oh, Wellesley has you by like, you know, five. So it was really kind of 
up in the air as to who won, which was just incredibly nerve-wracking, uh, waiting for kind of more official results to come out. And I think when they finally did come out, and I forget who was the first person who told us, but I think it was Lane was like, I think you guys did it, like, you guys won. That was one of the happiest moments of my life. I mean, I just went over to Chris and Alex. We had a big bear hug going and just like, this is like what we have been training for Mm -hmm. for the past, you know, three and a half, four years, like like for this moment. And so that was just incredibly validating to kind of know that all of our work just paid off. Yeah. And so that was it. So what were the festivities like after? I mean, you guys were acknowledged by the school, I think, at like the, um, at the Thanksgiving, like pre-Thanksgiving assembly. Yeah. What, were, what were the sort of things after after the race where you got recognized? Were there any big moments? Yeah. So first of all, we got the police escort. When we got back into Concord, the Concord police escorted us back to, uh, back to the high school, which was fun. It's kind epic. of having some police cars flashing their lights around <laughs> your big bus as they drive you up to school. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. And then yeah, we also got recognized in front of the school at uh at the Thanksgiving ceremony. We got to go out onto the field at a Red Sox game uh before the game started and they kind of recognized us along with some of the other state champions. Yeah, the soccer team got to do that the year before you guys. Yeah. And we were actually right next to the girls cross country team yeah. who had done it. But that yeah, that's cool. So yeah. That's that's always pretty fun. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, so after that season, I actually ended up joining and, and joining the team for indoor and outdoor. And there's, How a, can you <laughs> there's a few good memories of you. And I'm sure like you've had so many remarkable achievements. You don't even remember all these races, but you definitely like in a few relays, I just remember you were the last leg and, and you won it and, and you did pretty well and indoor. You ran, was it a two thirty with Alex for the one K? Yeah. Yeah. Indoor. That was a big race. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I think we ran 2.30 a couple of times. Or, actually, I don't really know. But, yeah, Alex and I had a couple of really fun thousands indoor senior year. We are like, leading up to DCLs. We were just kind of chasing that 2.30 mark, hoping to hoping to break it. We never ended up doing it, but it was still... Yeah, but, I mean, you carried the momentum from cross-country and indoor and outdoor, and, and you were just lighting it up. Any... Do anything you attri- like any do you attribute anything to that success or is it kind of just the culmination of all this hard work and it just finally clicked for whatever reason yeah i mean i think honestly it was really just we were we started out just kind of riding that wave from cross country being like all right like we're like the state championship or we're the state champions you know we kind of did it like having that kind of validation definitely carry through into you know indoor track when we're like all right like let's keep this going you know just because cross country's over doesn't mean this momentum we have going has to stop and so we just kind of kept on training putting in like the work and you know the results just kind of kept on speaking for themselves and kind of hyping us up every time so yeah and then take me through your the highlights of your last ever season outdoor which was really special and you ended on a really high notes take me through just kind of the highlights of that season yeah that season was pretty crazy and incredible in so many ways i mean i think honestly just uh my overall senior year um i was like really happy and a lot of things were clicking and so that kind of uh 
like seeped into my running and vice versa you know running going well kind of made all other aspects of my life go well as well mm-hmm. if that makes yeah, sense yeah no, yeah no that made total so, sense so i don't know it was kind of a symbiotic relationship there you go. going on there <laughs> uh, but yeah so outdoor kind of started out i'd say relatively normal i mean dropped a couple um decent times at the at like dual meets had an awesome time getting to pay some of my teammates uh thank you thank you for that yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean that was honestly probably the highlight of early season i mean it's so much fun getting to pace a kind of group of kids and seeing them kind of you know get prs and be happy with their times and stuff you know that being able to kind of give that to someone else is really nice and a lot of fun yeah so you, enjoyed, you paced me twice and both times i pr'd yeah. um, I mean, <laughs> and, and i thank you for definitely that definitely a lot easier with a, a pacer just yeah kind of drop time so. <laughs> so before we get into your all state and then battle road meet you uh, at least for me a really memorable moment was the western twilight meet right where you ran the two yeah. mile with rashab and chris and sam aquaviva Mm-hmm. I know that um, you, it didn't necessarily, in terms of like the place you finished and as you wanted, but that that's just a really cool meet in general. And Chris said that's his favorite meet. Do you have that same affinity for it? And how, were you were you really pleased with that two mile time you ran? Oh yeah, I mean that that meet is always so much fun. I didn't get to run it uh, sophomore year, so junior year was the first time that I ran it and got second in the two mile to Andrew Ma. Ah, <laughs> uh, but. So coming to that year, I was like, all right, this year I want to win the two mile. You know, I got yeah. second last year. I got I got to win it. So, uh, I mean, it's an amazing environment to drop fast times because it's at night. It's cool. There's great energy going on with like music playing, tons of fans. So overall, a great environment to run fast and a lot of times you'll see some pretty awesome races throughout the course of the night. And yeah, so Rashad was in that race and Sam Akaviva, Chaffin, Chris. Uh, I think it ended up breaking up pretty early. Rashad, myself, Sam, and Chaffin all got out pretty hard. Uh, actually, I think we were a little bit slow through the first mile. I think we were hoping for... 430 because we were trying to go sub 910 okay i think that was what Jeez. what we were shooting for um and we ended up coming through i don't know 37 or something like that i don't really remember uh-huh. but so then we kind of tried to pick it up a little bit after that and you know everyone was kind of staying with i was surprised looking around i'm like okay we got like a pack of four four of us up here you know my boy chaffin he was there which hyped me up former so much. Su- uh, also a super six member yeah i mean that just got me gone knowing that like you know i had a teammate right on my shoulder uh with me all the way like pretty much till the end so you know rashab sam and i kind of traded off leads for you know 400 800 meters uh kind of each taking them in turns more or less and then it kind of came down to that final kick where i was feeling pretty good heading into 400 but you know coming around with 100 to go 
Rashad just dusted me, dropped like an 11 second, like last 100 <laughs> meters, and there's nothing I can do about that. He got me by like a couple seconds within the last 100. So, I mean, shout out to him for having an incredible Yeah, but kick. you still ran a really uh, impressive time. Do you remember what, yeah, what you clocked uh, in at? Clocked in at four or 914.04. And is that is that your PR to date? Uh, for the full two mile, yes. Okay. Last indoor season, I ran a 3K, which converts to, I think, a little bit faster than that. Okay. But, uh, but I mean, putting that in perspective, that a 914, that's like two 437 miles, <laughs> which yeah. most kids can only dream of running at <laughs> one 437 mile. So that was that was great. And then the All-State meet was, I mean, so EMAS, you finished second to Mike Griffin, right? Yes. But then you got revenge in that All-State meet. Uh, Were you was, surprised it, to win that, or how, how did that go? Yes, but it was not just the EMAS race that I got second to Mike Griffin. <laughs> that had been building for a while. I mean, he outkicked me indoor EMAS that year, indoor at All-State. So I got second to him at All-State's indoor. And then he outkicked me again in uh, uh, EMAS for or divisionals outdoors. So heading into that all-state meet, I was like, I got to do something about this. You know, this, this isn't going to stand. I can't let Mike Griffin just outkick me left and right every time. Because it always happened in the last 150 meters. You know, I'd be leading, and then he just dusts me in that last little bit. So... For that meet, I kind of came in thinking like, all right, I got to switch up my strategy a little bit. Clearly, trying to gap him with 400, 600 meters to go is not working because he always reels me in in the last 100 and kind of gets me. So this time I was like, all right, no matter what, I'm not making a move on microphone until we're within 200 meters. Okay. Like, no matter what. Yeah. So real Pretty quick, much. real quick, let's contextualize this. So this is the all-state Massachusetts meet in the one mile. Yes. And I mean, at EMAS, you finished second. So you were you were up there in the seating, and this was the day of graduation, I believe. So yes. you missed graduation, and you weren't going to just <laughs> miss graduation for another second-place finish. Exactly. So yeah, get back into it. So yeah. it's, it's the one mile all-states. How did it go? So, I mean, when it kind of kicked off, I was almost immediately feeling bad. I, yeah, I mean, 400 meters in, I think the first 400, we came through in maybe uh, 65 or 66, and which should not have felt nearly as hard as it did. Uh I was like, uh oh, (laughs) this is not going to go well for me. Um, but I was like, I can't let myself kind of get in like a bad mental state or whatever. So like, all right, let's just hang on for another 400 meters. Kind of don't be too aggressive right now. Just kind of settle in, let the pack kind of take it. Um, and so I just kind of tucked in and stayed on everyone's heels for the next, you know, 400, 600 meters and feeling pretty bad the whole time. I mean, coming through around a thousand meters in i was like i'm not sure i'm gonna finish this race <sighs> like i thought i thought uh i was gonna like have to i wasn't gonna drop out but i thought i was gonna get dropped really hard in the last 400 um but then kind of coming around the last like heading into the last 400 i 
a bunch of people kind of passed me, like a pack of four or five kids all kind of went by. I was like, all right, well, I can't take this. I got to I gotta stick on them. Like, I can't get dropped this early. So 400 meters in, I saw Mike Griffin go by, and he's like, all right, well, he's one of those kids, so I got I to gotta stick on him. So kind of coming around maybe 250 meters to go, Griffin starts to make a move and passes that whole pack that, you know, made a move earlier. It's like, all right, well, I got to stick on Griffin. I can't let him let him go this time. Uh-huh. So then come around, you know, 200 meters to go, I'm right on Griffin's tail, and I'm like, all right, well, this is it. It's now or never, so make a move, kind of get in front of Griffin and um, uh, and Oliver Freed, who was also kind of right up there. And coming into the last 100 meters, I was in first, and I think that was both the most terrified and excited I've ever been um, at a race because I knew that that lead could evaporate so quickly like it did indoors. You know, coming down the last little bit, I was like, I heard, you know, Mike's steps coming up behind me, and he kind of got me at the line. I was like, I cannot let this happen again. Um, And so... That was an incredibly long couple seconds coming down that last straightaway. But when I crossed the line, that was also, you know, incredible kind of flood of emotions, you know, crashing yeah. over me, knowing that, like, wow, like, I just won. <laughs> All-state totally champion surreal. in the mile. What what time did you run? Uh, 4.17. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So, so you won the All-state me in the mile. I don't want to uh, elaborate too much on this, but take me through kind of what what were your tips like? How why do you think you succeeded? Was it a lot of preparation you had put in before the race, or how does someone win an all state via the mile? Um, I mean, that's a tough question. I think it really comes down to everything that I'd been doing, starting you know in the indoor, like I at the start of the indoor season. I think everything that I had been doing had kind of been working towards that outdoor season and winning that state championship. And, you know, that had always been in the back of my mind and getting second in indoors really just kind of pushed it further up in my mind. So, you know, I, I thought about it a lot, you know, visualization of different races and especially the Allstate race, like how is that going to play out? What am I going to do differently this time? to to win and not you know get out kicked and so kind of learning from some of my mistakes in past races that hadn't played out the way that I wanted them to I think learning from all of that definitely helps get a more favorable result when it came down to it Mm -hmm. but I mean I guess also just all kind of the small things that me and my whole group had been doing throughout that season in the past season. What do you mean by small things? Like extra stretches, yeah. eating well, all I that? I mean, we were, you know, some of the last ones at practice every day because, you know, we after races, yeah, we spent time doing the extra, like band strengths, uh, band exercises and core and, yeah, eating well, sleeping well, all of that um, kind of plays into how your race is going to go like over Mm -hmm. the course of a whole season yeah so i think yeah that kind of all factors into you know coming together for a 
perfect race uh-huh. for our last life. So just a little a little <laughs> bit off topic, but before your all-state meet, and I guess in meets in general, how do you get pumped up? Is it a little bit of rap music, or kind of what's your pre, pre-race ritual? Yeah, uh, I think it is a little bit of rap music for sure, but I sometimes, I mean, kind of for the morning leading up to it, I like to be hanging out with my friends, uh, kind of taking my mind off of it, not really focusing, because I don't want to expend all that kind of mental energy worrying about a race that's still hours away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be kind of hanging out with my friends, getting my mind off of that, goofing around, kind of lowering stress levels, all of that. When it gets a little bit closer, um, then I'm going to spend some time thinking about it a little bit more, yeah, play some music to kind of get me hyped up like right before our warm-up more or less before warm-up i'll yeah kind of get excited uh play some music that i like but then on the warm-up i suppose well between towards the end of the warm-up and the start of the race i kind of like to more or less kind of be in my own zone that's when i kind of practice visualizing the race thinking about how i'm feeling how the weather is, how all that is going to affect me throughout my race, and thinking about, I guess, a little bit preparing myself for, I guess, the pain that I'm going to be in and getting ready to kind of cope with that. And I think that that little bit of time that I need before the race definitely helps to kind of get my zone and prepare myself for like what's to come. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in a race and you're going through all this pain, what keeps you just going uh, another step? Are uh, you, are you, is it all just about mental focus or is there something you do like just staring at someone's back and trying really just to concentrate on it or, or what, what are your tips to, to really just stay focused and get comfortable with being uncomfortable during a race? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, mental focus is definitely one, you know, trying to stay in the moment, engaged, and constantly responding to all the things that are going on around you is really important. But also, kind of the preparation that goes into it through all of the workouts and practices that we've had is, I mean, those are all just getting you ready to kind of be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in it like when you're in the race you just need to remind yourself like this is it like this is what everything i've been doing is for and you know this is when we have to capitalize on that i guess Mm -hmm. so just kind of being focused and reminding yourself kind of that you're in the moment and this is what you're working for is enough motivation for me to kind of be like all right like now is the time to go and stay tough, not back down. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that was, I mean, you raced twice more that year, I believe, at the Battle Road meet, which <laughs> went extremely well. And I talked about that time in, in your introduction because it was so notable. And then you race at Nationals, right? Like kind of a last second yeah. decision to go there. But before we quickly get into that, I want to, now that you're done truly racing for CC, just a few quick questions. Uh, we talked briefly right before the show about this, and I know it's not as not a quick answer, but what was your hardest workout at CC? Do you, is, does anything come to mind? Yeah. Or it, it doesn't even have to be one workout. Was there like a so- type of workout? Was it the hills from the from the bottom all the way to the top, or was it tempo runs, or or it can be kind of however you interpret it. So suppose there's 
a couple answers for that. First of all, Mr. Lane, during cross country, gave some of the toughest, <laughs> most intense, but like incredible workouts that I've ever done. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but those Saturday workouts when you'd have you know my group just running those steep hills behind CC. I, I mean, I can't forget that. So those were definitely some of the most, I'd say, painful workout workouts that we did. Uh, one of my favorites is honestly the, like, broken 5K, which is, I think he takes that from Running with the Buffaloes, okay. which is... It's a book, right, about the Colorado yeah, team? Okay. Yeah, that's about, the, yeah, the Colorado University cross-country team. And it's basically a broken broken 5K where it's three minutes on, three minutes off, and it's a rounded track. So everyone starts at the same time. They run for three minutes, and then when those three minutes are up, they kind of drop like a stick or somewhere to mark their spot. You get three minutes of rest kind of jogging around, and then when the three minutes uh, starts again, the three minutes on, you start at the same place that you ended, and then you try and get as far as you can in those next three minutes, and that process repeats until you've completed the 5K. Huh. Um, and that's a really fun workout. It's pretty intense because it's you know three minutes of like intensity and then you know a good amount of rest, but it's pretty cool. I guess premise. Yeah. Uh, and kind of it, it mixes it up. It's pretty mm -hmm. different from any other workouts that we do. So. Yeah. Interesting. OK, very yeah. cool. So I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're a little short for time. And I, I do want to talk about Johns Hopkins real quick and then and then your notes, your younger self. But you ran a 350 1500 at that battle road meet, which, as I said at the beginning, for those of you who aren't well accustomed, to what a good 1500 meter time is. His 1500 meter time at 350 converts to a roughly four minute, eight second mile, which is which is <laughs> blasphemous. So take me through. I mean, you were not expecting to run that time. How how did you do it? Did you just put your head down and follow those those big dogs, or how, <laughs> and, and take me through how you did that? And then after the race, like that must have been wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, the only way I can say it was, is that it was like almost a mistake like I did not mean to run that fast um I mean initially I was thinking like I'll probably try and pace Alex for you know two laps and kind of see how I'm feeling and if I'm feeling good then I'll race the rest of it and kind of lining up on the start line we hear these two guys saying all right we're going to take them through like the pacers or like they're going to take them through in two minutes for the 800 and then kind of let them go from there I was like, oh boy, okay. So these guys are going out fast. And we turned to Alex. I'm like, all right, we can't get caught up in their pace. Like, they're going too fast. We got to let them go. And, you know, we can't get carried along. And did he agree with that? Pay. And he's like, yeah, okay. no, I got it. Like, me and you, like, we just got, we're locked in our zone. I was like, okay, cool. 63 is <laughs> on the clock. Um, and then the race goes off. And I didn't hear the 400 split, I don't think. But then I'm coming through the 800 split because that's like the first thing I really remember. I mean, I was feeling really good, just kind of chilling. I had not, I was not expecting to do anything that race. I was not even expecting to finish because 
I had not really taken care of myself at all that week. Like I had not been sleeping well. I didn't start hydrating for that race until three o'clock the afternoon of that race. I, I had not thought about it at all. And so I was like, I'm just going to run, you know, a 206, 800 and drop out. But then I'm feeling really good. I'm end up kind of sticking more or less on the pacers and at the front of the pack. There's a, a pretty good group up there. What so, happened with not staying with the pacers? It was just you felt so good. You're like, I might as well. Well, I was like, okay, there's no way they're running 60s. Like, okay. I, and I was a couple, a couple like meters behind the pacers. But so I was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling good enough. I can correct for anything like later. You know, I, I don't think this pace is going to take it out of me. It can't be that fast. But then we end up coming through the 800, and I'm hearing the guy go, two minutes, 201. I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh, so no, did you think good. you were going to die when you heard that? I thought that was race over. I was like, this <laughs> is not good. Because um, I had never come through in, like, faster than 209, maybe. Wow. I mean, all of wow. all of my races in senior year had been a pretty slow opening and then a really fast close. Uh-huh. So I was not coming – I was not used to coming through in faster than 208 or 209. So I was – yeah. I mean, I thought that was race over. But I was like, okay, well, I can't drop out. Like, I mean, that would just be embarrassing for me to, like, go out, run a 201, and then, like, drop out of this race. And I'm feeling pretty good anyway, so I might as well just keep on going until I, like, tie up or something. Um, or until I start kind of, you know, just getting past or stop feeling it. So I keep on going, and I'm, you know, coming through the 1,000, and I hear Jason Norris and the other Wellesley boys like cheering me on, being like, "Oh my gosh, like you can do it! Like you're, you know, you're like at a ridiculous pace right now." And I was like, you know, they're just hyping me up, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what? Like, it's giving time the to fans send what it. they want to yeah, see. It's yeah, it's time to send it. Um, and I, I, I backed off the pace a little bit for that three quarters of a lap in the middle there, uh, just because I'm like, okay this is like way too fast. Like I got to step on the brakes a little bit. Uh, but then all of a sudden, like I'd never run a 1500 before and it feels a lot shorter than a mile. Having that third lap be only like three quarters of a lap. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I found myself coming through, you know, with 400 to go. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling great right now. Like it's time to go. And so I kind of just start kicking, you know, more or less 350, 400 meters out and, you know, catch up to the group that I had kind of backed off from, um, past a couple of those guys and coming down that stretch. Um, I looked at the clock and I could not believe like at all, like what I thought there had to be a mistake or something. I was like, I did not run through 50. Um, must've been an incredible running runner's high. Right yeah. There. I mean, I stepped off the track and I was so confused and like I didn't even want to get my hopes up because I was like there's no way like I, I if I convince myself that I ran 350 someone's gonna be like you ran you know 401 like nice try and then I'm gonna be so disappointed so <laughs> I, I didn't want to like risk kind of getting my spirits crushed like that but then everyone kind of came over and was like you know super excited and hyping me up um and i was like oh my god like <laughs> i just ran like i have no idea where that came from because yeah. you know 
317 was my PR. Like, I'd never run anything close to, you know, four tens range before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just absolutely wild. And actually, after the fact, um, one of the coolest things was I found out that one of the pacers for that race that paced us through 600 meters was the current uh 1500 school record holder at Hopkins. So, <laughs> I remember that. Small yeah. world stuff. Yeah, so that was kind of crazy. <laughs> so that that race was definitely uh, one of the best of your career. Then you go on, you make a, a quick decision to go to Nationals with Alex, which mm-hmm. in the interest of time, I don't want to dive in too much, but that obviously was a really cool experience, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun um, getting to kind of go to Nationals and compete as an individual. In the past couple of seasons, we'd always gone as a four by mile, which was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great race, but it was kind of cool having a bit of a different experience getting to race solo, I guess, because, I mean, you know, we'd just never done that before. Um, and I will say it was a really fun and cool race, but probably one of the toughest losses I've had um, because even though I ended up coming in eighth, I was you know, with 100, 100 meters to go or so, I was in position to get, you know, third or fourth, and then just I tied up the last 100 probably worse than I ever had before and got passed by a lot of people and ended up getting A. So that was that was definitely tough, kind of barely missing that kind of all-American. All-American thing, yeah. Sixth, yeah. Yeah. So. But, that, that, like, nonetheless, great experience yeah. and, and cool race. So let's just quickly transition into John Hopkins. Johns Hopkins. I just want to touch on two things. A, the difference between a collegiate running atmosphere and, and that of high school. And then how did you balance that in academics? And it's not just like balancing academics at blah, blah, blah. It's, it's at Johns Hopkins. Like it's really intense. So start with the differences um, between running and collegiately. Then we'll get into how you balance things. Yeah, um, I, there definitely is a pretty big difference because, I mean, it's just a much bigger commitment. I mean, it's not uncommon to spend three or more hours in a day, you know, in the locker room doing, you know, exercises, doing strengthening, workouts, all of that. So that's definitely a pretty big transition compared to, you know, maybe spend two hours or so in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of also a little bit of a different culture because everyone that's there is like into running and you know wants to get better so you you're surrounded by a group of people who are all trying to kind of motivate each other and get better which is really cool um and you know there are definitely a lot of people in high school that are looking for that and um you know, are trying to get better. And then there's also some people that are kind of there just to have a good time, which it really is up to you kind of what you get out of it. And that's fine. But it's kind of a definitely a different environment when you're surrounded by everyone who is really serious about getting better at running. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's cool. But on the other hand, yeah, it is a lot more time. And so it can be tough kind of balancing uh, academics and running and whatnot. But Actually, I think that the team has helped a lot with academics because they are a great community of people that you can go to with questions. You know, I am studying math and physics, and so there were some kids on the team that 
I could go to if I needed help on, you know, studying for a midterm or on a problem set, you know, I could go to them and they could always help me like figure out what I was struggling on. Mm -hmm. So that I'd say, um, definitely helps kind of strike a balance. Yeah. Uh, so talk real quick about your, your future aspirations um, on the like academic sort of side of things. So you just said you are, you're really into astrophysics yeah. and, and do you see a career in that? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, right now uh, I'm doing some astrophysics research, which I'm loving. So uh, I could potentially see um, a future in astrophysics or astrobiology, something like that. But, you know, I'm still young, got time, so yeah. I'm not entirely sure where that's all going to take me, um, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, and then do you have any running goals by the end of your collegiate career, team or individual? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I want Hopkins to get a men's national title by the time I graduate, and I think we can definitely do that. We got fourth, or I think it was fifth last year, um, but... We're definitely looking to um, improve upon that in the coming years. You know, get podium, get um, get onto that kind of national, na- top top national stage, I guess. But yeah, very cool. Um, individually, I'm not sure I have as concrete goals. Um, I just don't want to limit myself and um, kind of see where I can go. Say individual national title definitely kind of on the radar i like to kind of see that happen and you know the sub four miles always in the back of uh any runner's head i'm sure yeah yeah well (laughs) you've shown quite impressive progression so far so i'm not going to count anything out uh let's close here let's close with notes to your younger self so now you're a collegiate runner you're mature you know the ropes let's talk back to early matt Anything you'd say, any tips for running, tips to having fun, anything you'd say to your younger self? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I suppose I would say a couple things. First of all, um, all the little things do matter. So if, um, you know, if you're questioning whether like these small little exercises or drills are really going to make that much of an impact like they will so don't skimp out on those you know ab circuits that you don't really want to do but also you know don't take yourself too seriously have fun with it ultimately um you run because you like it so um you know don't let taking it too seriously i guess get in the way of that um and finally i would say no matter how hard it gets, just remember that it's worth it. And, you know, the community and the achievements that, you know, you achieve as a runner make pretty much any kind of struggle and pain that you go through in getting there worth it. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you have heard the scoop from Matt Kleiman, a a great runner, person, academic, and everything in between. Matt, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, So we're recording this on July 8th, 2020, and it should be out uh, in the next day or so. And 
hopefully we can look back on this in a few years and maybe you will have achieved some more of those goals and and i hope anyone listening learned something uh today whether that's focusing on the little things and and those really do matter or just being inspired by quite a remarkable journey so anyway thanks again for tuning in i'm your host blaze Seifer. we'll see you soon